You're listening to Illini Life Audio, messages from a community of Christian believers on the campus of University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. For more audio and video content, visit IlliniLife.org. Here we go. So, uh, thanks for being here. Uh, Has anyone uh, heard of ChatGPT? And if you've heard of ChatGPT, all right, uh, good. We're, we're, you know, U of I probably. Have you written anything with ChatGPT? <laughs> Who's used ChatGPT? Mike, Mike, what did you use it for? Uh, writing really bad worship long lyrics. Oh, writing <laughs> worship long lyrics. Okay. Well, stay tuned for that. Uh, you're see what Michael comes up with that. So this week I used ChatGPT to write a job description. Uh, I had to crank out one uh, quickly. Uh, my employer said we need to get it posted. I used ChatGPT, uh, and I fed it, you know, these are the duties of the job. And it asked me, what kind of person are you looking for? And uh, I was tempted at that point to write the message with ChatGPT, because that's what we're going to be looking at today, is what kind of person God is looking for to lead the church. What kind of person? So there's a huge context here. We could go into so much about leaders and leadership and what they do. And, but today we're looking at 1 Timothy 3 as we go through the book. And we're on the, on the topic of a healthy church. Uh, and so we're going to be looking out. I'll, I'll throw up a slide in a minute to look at the main points. But I want to I say too, I want to preface this by saying, uh, if... If I ever get a tattoo, I don't know how big if that is, but if I ever get a tattoo, it'll probably have some verses from this chapter involved. Because I've, these are the years that, uh, that my life has been examined uh, as a potential leader by this chapter. Starting, you can see, back in 1973 when some of your parents maybe were uh, born. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> The, uh, I had become a Christian a few years before, and I'll talk about my ambition, how I got into it. But these are the years where my life was held up to this chapter to see if I measured up and to see if I would be recognized as a leader in the church. So I have been through this a time or two, actually seven times. And during COVID, we did it as a church here. And it's like J.D. Let's look at J.D.'s life in light of 1 Timothy 3. And I can tell you, still, after going through it all of these times, uh, it's scary. It's scary to look at this. And we're going to look at the qualifications for leaders in the New Testament church. Um, and here's, here's, you're thinking, okay, well, what does that really have to do with me you know, uh, so here, here are the things that we'll get out of this. Uh, I mentioned a healthy church uh, has healthy leaders. Uh, we we looked at uh, we've looked at how a healthy church has has uh, has a, a good worship formula. How it has good teaching. We're going to look at how it has healthy leaders. And here's the things that you're going to get out of this today. So stay tuned. Uh, this is what you're going to get in the next thirty minutes if the batteries on my clock right here don't run out. What's that? <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, however long it takes. So how to recognize a healthy church. 
which some of you uh, will hopefully someday graduate and you may move and you may be looking for a church somewhere and you'll be thinking, how do I find a good church? Oh, yes, they talked about this back in the iLife days. So we're going to look at uh, some things that will help you find a good church in a new church home when you, when you move on from here. How to recognize a healthy leader. Uh, the Christian leaders, famous for being in the news for doing the bad thing, doing the wrong thing. So what, how to recognize a healthy leader. How to keep your leaders healthy. How to uh, keep Kyle and, and Nick and I uh, on our toes. How to keep your leaders healthy. That's an important thing. Uh, and actually, this works for spouses as well. So um, if you're in that situation, how to grow in faith and influence. Anybody want to grow in their faith? Has anybody peeked out on faith and feel like you need to regress? So, <laughs> so how to grow in your faith and in your influence. If you want to have uh, more influence uh, in, in your sphere, whatever it is, work, class, uh, family, uh, and then how to get and find a job, how to find a job and how to keep it. So uh, anybody looking for a job in the near future? Uh, okay, yeah, Miranda. Uh, so not a lot of seniors here then. Anyway, uh, whenever you start looking for a job, there'll be some things, some pointers that I'll give you because I've been uh, I've been uh, in the marketplace as a hiring manager for many years and interviewed a lot of people, done a lot of recruiting, and there's a lot of things that we're going to look at are the things that, that when I had a chance to talk uh, to classes uh, in engineering here on, on this very subject, I borrowed a lot from this message. So uh, that's what we're going to get from this. All right. So we're going to do some context stuff. Uh, first, uh, we want to look at the roles in the New Testament. And I think Philippians 1.1, I love this verse because it just, it's like a nutshell verse. It says, Paul and Timothy, so he's, he's writing uh, this letter to the Philippian church. He says, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, saints as holy ones, uh, were holy because of the gospel, because in the gospel, Jesus took our sin and he gave us his righteousness. It's the great exchange. Our sin for his righteousness. So that's, that's how righteous you are today in the eyes of God. You cannot get more holy or more righteous in the eyes of God because you have Christ's righteousness on you and in you. And so we are seated with him in the heavens uh, because of that. So... Uh, that's you, saints, in Christ Jesus, uh, who are in Philippi, including, not, not to disclude, the overseers and deacons. So overseers and deacons, are the, they're, the, they're the two kind of identified roles publicly in the New Testament church. All right, so who are these people? Uh, a lot we could say about them. Uh, I'm just going to give you a nutshell here. Uh, the, and that is that uh, as you read through the New Testament, you see things like overseers, 
Okay, there's pastors. We have a pastor. Nick is a pastor. Uh, we, have, we have elders. Uh, well, J.D. is older. Does that make him an elder? Uh, the, uh, actually, one of the words for elders, anciano, ancient. I love that. Uh, the, uh, so here, um, here's just a clarification I want to make. Uh, in case you haven't uh, investigated this, overseers, elders, and pastors refers to the same person, the same group of people. It's not three different groups of people. Uh, and sometimes if you look at the Christian world, it gets confusing because maybe one church group or denomination, they'll have, they'll have bishops. Wait, where did bishops come from? Well, bishops is just another what word for overseer. So uh, in some translations, uh, overseeing is translated as bishop. Some will emphasize elders. Oh, this, this denomination emphasizes elders. Another will emphasize pastor uh, or shepherd. Uh, so, uh, but actually, they're the same. And uh, it's the same person, and it's just talking about different roles that they have. Here's a couple verses that really make that plain. One is Acts 20. I love this. This is when Paul is seeing the elders from Ephesus for the last time. And he, it's, a, it's a great heart-wrenching, uh, my, uh, yeah, it, it's just really a powerful emo, uh, emotive uh, speech that he gives them, They're seeing him for the last time. And this is kind of the climax of that talk as they're kneeling on a beach. Um, Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. So there's all three things. He's talking to the elders, and he says, listen, you guys are overseeing. God has made you overseers, and your role is to shepherd the church. We see the same thing in 1 Peter uh, I love this passage, too, for connecting these three roles. First Peter 5, he says, Therefore I exhort the elders among you, as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, partaker also of the glory that's to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God. And not for sordid gain, but with eagerness. Nor, let us, uh, nor yet is lording it over those allotted to your charge, but uh, proving to be examples to the flock. So I said we were just going to just touch on the roles briefly. So there you go. Uh, the, these three roles are the same person. Shepherd refers to what shepherds do, uh, guarding, feeding. Uh, oversight refers to, it. the word literally means looking over, watching out for, uh, <clears throat> which, which includes the ideas of protecting as well. And then elder uh, just has to do with, you don't have to be the oldest one. Uh, the, it has to do with life experience because you think, okay, older, my older brother, I'm the oldest one in my family, but you know, it's, uh, we, we, we look to our parents, we look to somebody who has more life experience, and that's the idea of being an elder. Uh, I think it's a, great, it's a great combination of all those roles. Uh, Titus, you see the same thing in Titus 1. For this reason I left you in Crete, that you would set in order what remains and appoint elders in every city as I instructed you, 
for the overseer must, and then that connects elders and overseers again. Now, Titus uh, has also some qualifications for leaders, and which we'll see uh, compare favorably with what we're going to see in Timothy. Uh, Titus had a role of going into churches that didn't have recognized leaders. You know, you don't have to have an elder to be a, to be a, a church. Uh, you don't have to uh, be, a, be a pastor because, because uh, Christ is the head of the church. And Titus was going into churches where there were no elders and he was appointing them. Timothy, on the other hand, uh, he had a, I don't know which was more challenging, but he had, you know, Hymenaeus, Alexander, these people who were called out for being, uh, being uh, bad teachers, wrong teachers in the church. And so he was there having to correct some things, and, uh, which, is, which could be a scary thing. So God gave him these, these qualifications as a means of making correction in what was already going on. So... Um, so where do, these, where do these people come from? I think this is worth looking at. Actually, starting in 1 Timothy uh, 3, verse 1, says uh, it's a trustworthy statement. If any man aspires to the office of overseer, it's a fine work he desires to do. So um, the thing I... The thing I, I'd, I'd like to kind of get straight in, uh, in all of our minds is that God, God makes overseers, God makes leaders, and people recognize them. God makes leaders, and then we just recognize and see what God is doing. So uh, we're all in God's training program. Jesus said that, uh, you know, every disciple... Uh, will um, no one is above his master, he says, but we're all in training until we become fully like Christ. So we're all in a training program, and some of the training programs involve making, raising up people into leadership in the church. And, uh, and it involves these four, I'm calling them stages, uh, and from 1 Timothy 3.1, uh, let's just dissect this verse. It'll, it'll kind of intro these qualifications. He says it's a trustworthy statement, which you already said before uh, about the, the, the functioning and the worship in the church. He, uh, he, he said he was, he was telling the truth. You know, it was, he was trustworthy. And now he's, he's just tying back into that. So, by the way... Uh, the the uh, the chapter divisions in the in the Bible are not inspired. Um, yeah, uh, so how'd they get in there? I mean, we, it's a good thing we got them. It helps us find things. You know, if we were like leafing all the way through Timothy to try to find a verse, they're handy, but they are not inspired. And there are some times where it seems like, oh well, you know, having that big number three here kind of breaks up a thought that maybe shouldn't have been broken up because he's, he's, he's going right from, right from correcting the teaching then correcting their, their, uh, the way that they were applying uh, the teaching for men and women, and then he jumps right into 
Now he's going to jump right into the character of the leaders. Because, because to fix the church, he says, the, you have to have the teaching right. You have to have people. You have to have people recognizing their, their roles as men and women and carrying those out. And then you have to have leaders who have these qualities. Because chances are Hymenus and Alexander, the people that were causing the problems with the teaching, people would read this list and they'd go, hey, you guys are out of here. Because it, uh, it's not likely that they had this kind of character and they would be disqualified uh, from leadership. All right, so what are the things we see, we learn right away before he gets into the specific qualities? And I believe this is how God uh, launches leaders. First is that they have an ambition. They have a desire. Ambition is a great thing. David prayed, God, make me great. And so if you've ever felt like, you know, um, whoever said dream big, uh, I don't know if they were Christian, but God wants us to have huge ambition. My goodness, he sent us to preach the gospel to every creature. <laughs> He's, he set us on a track to become like Christ in every way. Those, that's about the biggest ambition you could possibly have. And... <clears throat> My story is that I, I became a Christian when I was 19. Is anybody 19 here? Anybody 19? Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was looking for some handsome dude. Yeah, there we go, right there. That's, that's what I looked like when I was 19. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I became a Christian, and I, and I you know, I, uh, I got, uh, we all come to Christ for different things that we see in him. We need forgiveness. Maybe we need deliverance. I needed a purpose for my life. I was, says he who sows iniquity or reap vanity, and my life was just empty. And uh, I came to Christ, and I knew, uh, I knew already, well, I didn't want to live with regrets. I wanted to have the biggest, most thrilling, impactful, all of those things. I wanted those in my life. And, uh, the, and then, I, then I became a Christian, and I thought, okay, so now what do I do? So, I, I, have all, I have all this in my heart that I want to be, that I want to accomplish. And here's the thing that clicked for me. Jesus, the life of Jesus Christ, is all those things. It's all those things. Who had the most meaningful life? Who had the most fruitful life? Who had the most influential life? Who had the most pure, imitable life? What well, was Jesus Christ? And so... Now, I don't, you know, I, this may sound simplistic, but to me it was like, well, well, if I became like Christ, then all those things, yes, I, I, I wouldn't miss anything. And I didn't even know, you know, I had no idea uh, what, where that would take me. I just knew that, and here's, I'm going to, uh, when I became a Christian, one of, the, one of the homes we used to meet in had this saying on the wall. It said, to become like Jesus Christ is the only thing worth living for. The thing before which every uh, the thing before which every ambition of man and lower achievement is vain. To become like Jesus Christ is the only thing worth living for. And so that clicked to me. Yes, 
Okay, so what does that mean, like, to become like Christ? And so, well, I, so I read, I read a couple things. One was that he was a shepherd. 1 Peter 5 says the chief shepherd. I thought, okay, well, he's a shepherd. All right, so maybe I should look into that. If becoming like Christ, and he was a shepherd, and so I wish I had time to develop all of that. But the other thing that impacted me was when Jesus looked on the multitude. Remember when he looked out and he saw the multitude, what did he say about them? What did he, what did he visualize? He said he saw them like they were distressed and downcast, like sheep without a shepherd. That's what, that's what this world needs. It needs people imitating Christ and providing that feeding care that Christ provided. That's what he saw. That's, he said that's, that's where the distress and downcast comes from because there's, there's no one doing that. There'd be sheep. How long will sheep even live without a shepherd? So anyway... There you go. That's, that's just kind of, those things were falling in place for me, and I started looking at this list. I started thinking, well, okay then. Here are the qualifications to be a shepherd in the church. This, this is it, and that's what we're going to look at. Uh, and you're thinking, we finally got to it. Uh, that's, what, that's how I got my ambition. The next thing it says is, and I, I love this, First Timothy 3.1, it says, uh, Anyone who aspires to, and then it's, oh, it says office of overseer. So I don't know if you've ever thought, oh, well, let's go look at Nick's office and see. <laughs> he has an office, but, you know, it's unfortunate because there's been whole kind of denominations built around the idea of the office of overseer. And it's literally, it's just overseeing. It's just that word may put into action. I, you know, I thought, for Alan's sake, just one sports analogy. You know, somebody, somebody gets selected as, you know, a, you know during, during the draft as a running back. There you go. They now have the office of running, runner backing or whatever. They, <laughs> they are the runner back, right? And so they... And so they that's what this is talking about, right? So do they go to the clubhouse, runner back. They go in, uh, running back, there we go. And they go in there and they just like, I'm here. <laughs> no, it's about being on the field, doing the running. That's what it says. He aspires to that. And that's why it says it's a noble or fine work he desires to do. So every, every high school quarterback that wants to go to the NFL, well, it's a noble work. It's a noble work. <laughs> but, uh, and not many of them make it. But there's plenty of room for leaders in the church. As a matter of fact, the church is in want of leaders. Uh, both, uh, both in both of these roles that we're, took, uh, we're looking at. So it's, it's a work, it's a job, and I wish we could go in and expand to that, because you'd think, why would anybody want to do that? Well, because Christ did, and, and it's because the heart of Christ is to provide these services to human beings. 
Okay, the next thing is qualification that happens. And so we're going to go through now, we're going to look at the qualifications, and then we're going to look at the, the recognition. Uh, because in the, in the case of uh, Titus, in the case of Timothy, uh, they, their role was to recognize those who had the ambition doing the work and had the qualifications, and then it said they laid their hands on them. And it wasn't so much about that they touched them, but that they pointed them out. They said, okay, you're the one. Uh, I, think, I think that's interesting in the drafting sense, too. At, at the draft, it seems like the coach always you know, winds up you know, in some way embracing laying their hands on the, on the, the new stars for the team that were selected. Uh, based on their qualifications, probably, and what they'd done before. Uh, <clears throat> so, here's what we're going to do next. I'm just going to go through these, and I'm going to um, run through these lists. And as, and as you see this uh, flash up on the screen, uh, the, the thing I want to point out are... Um, and because most of these things, these are words that we, we recognize. Uh, and as a matter of fact, these things would have been uh, recognized uh, outside the church in that time frame. Uh, anybody that had these qualities would be respected. Uh, there's nothing like too, too crazy spiritual going on here, except maybe the teaching from the Bible that it talks about. But... But these, this, is a, this is a decent list that we used to go through back when all job, when, when, uh, job uh, postings were in the newspaper. This thing, I'll ask me about it, I'll tell you what they were. And, uh, and we would go through and we would circle these qualities as they were asked for by employers. Because these are, uh, this, is, this is part of how to get a job. Uh, if you have these qualities, uh, it will not only qualify you to be a leader, but it will qualify you uh, to, to work at probably the company that you want to work at. Uh, and uh, and I, see these, I see these pop up all the time. The reason I put the positive-negative uh, category in there is because, is because this is how growth happens. You know, we can't just pick the strengths and the things we're good at and just hammer on those. We can't just look at the things that like, oh man, I got these weaknesses, these anchors holding me back. I need to, I need to put those things off. Because growth happens by, by uh, fleeing and pursuing. And that's reflected in this list. Some, it has to happen at the same time. If you get stuck fleeing something, and it's like I've been trying to get rid of this bad thing, uh, it's been plaguing me for far too long. Start to look at the other list. <laughs> Start to look at the pursuing list, right? And uh, because, because flee and pursue, you have to put off the old, put on the new. They have to happen together. And I love seeing that that's the way these qualifications are too. Some are things to quit. Some of the things to start uh, to, to uh, grow in. And then I love this also. I put on here, who else? Who else in the Bible is in the New Testament, and actually there's some things from Proverbs and Psalms there too, but who, who else is responsible to have this quality? Well, it turns out it's not just the leaders. As a matter of fact, there's nothing, there's only a few things on this list 
that are even called out specifically for leaders. These are things, these are things for all believers and some, some particular groups like women, like respectable. So that's how women are to dress. It's in, because respectable has to do with your comportment, your, your outward uh, <clears throat> conduct. And women are to dress respectably. And so you can just see, I'm not going to take time to go through all of those things on the right but you, it just, just to say that this is not like some spectacular super list, only Superman can fly or whatever. This, these aren't superhero qualities. These are, this is like the norm. This is the norm for believers because they're all, why? They're attributes of Christ. <laughs> and, we're, and, we're, and, and the goal is for us to become like him. And so, uh, so it's, it's possible so, and this is not a, obviously it's not a, a inclusive list. You know, like where's the fruit of the spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithful, just have to crawl, all that stuff. You know, there's a lot of things that are out there for every believer that are not on this list. So it's not actually comprehensive. I think, I think Timothy wound up getting this list so that he could use this to deal with the problems that were going on in that church and putting it in context like Nick did last week of, you know, they, they, the men who were, who were claiming to be leaders and doing the false teaching, they probably really violated some of these things. Some of them did not have good relationships at home. I mean, they, that's where this list, you know, kind of the background of this and how these things got pulled out specifically. All right. So, uh, not addicted to want. So, above reproach. So, above reproach... Uh, this is a big one. As a matter of fact, it's possible that that's just like they need to be above reproach in all those different things. Above reproach just means that no one can, no one can accuse you of something. And so they can't accuse you of being intemperate. They can't accuse you of being addicted to wine. They can't accuse you of being pugnacious. So that's kind of an umbrella term of not being accused. And... Uh, it's not sinless perfection. Obviously, uh, <clears throat> the, uh, the church would be vacant. Uh, it has to do with acknowledging failure, repenting, restoring. Uh, and so uh, that's, that's what being above reproach means. So as I go through, I'm not going to have time for a big Q&A at the end here. So if you have a question as we go through, Raise your hand, and I'll pretend like we're on Zoom. I'll see your hand go up, and I'll acknowledge you, and we can dive into it. So, uh, not addicted to wine. Okay, uh, I'm not going to hit everyone because some of these are kind of uh, face of them obvious. Uh, not pugnacious. You don't uh, you don't hit people, quarrel. You're not a violent person. You don't bully, uh, but. In contrast, you're gentle, which is yielding, gentle, kind, courteous, tolerant, peaceable. So the word peaceable is interesting because it literally means don't fight. Uh, and so, uh, because that's where we all start out. We all start out uh, quarrelsome, contentious, argumentative. And he said, just don't do that. And the absence of that is, is peaceable in this list. Uh, free from the love of money, uh, which literally is not loving silver, 
husband of one wife, let me say something about that. Uh, does it mean that elders have to be married? Thanks for asking, Michael. <laughs> uh, and several of those years, I was not married. Uh, it, it literally means a, uh, a one-woman kind of man. And uh, this word was actually used in the other way as well for women uh, to be a one-man kind of woman. Uh, and it has to do with marital fidelity. And if you have a wife, uh, then uh, you, have, you have found your one. And the, uh, it has to do with holding marriage in honor. And so uh, as, it, as it relates to single men, uh, it means that your uh, relationships with women are pure and above reproach. Uh, <clears throat> the, um, and we'll see that this, this plays into your family uh, and manage them well. Uh, then temperate. Uh, yeah, temperate and prudent are hard to kind of uh, parse out because <clears throat> they're, it's one of those things, temperate and prudent, they're each used in the definition of the other. Uh, you know, it's being, uh, it's being having a clear mind, being able to make good decisions, not, being, not having a clout, uh, being, being control of oneself, uh, thoughtful uh, as applies to as it applies to believers you know uh, controlled by the Holy Spirit rather than just your own passion desire uh, respectable like I said mentioned uh, mentioned is has to do with your conduct uh, being imitable being something that people say well yeah I'd like to I'd like to be like that uh, being a good example hospitable all believers, it means lover of strangers, uh, able to teach. So able to teach, obviously, is the list that's uh, it's, it's unique on the list for, for overseers. Although all mature believers in 2 Timothy uh, are to be able to uh, also uh, be able to explain the doctrines of the Bible. Uh, so uh, <clears throat> the, but in probably more likely in personal conversation or small group settings, but as far as addressing the church, uh, elders have to be able to teach. Uh, <clears throat> all right, so let's go on and let's look at, uh, let, me, let me stop. Any, anything just like a complete mystery here that we should take any more time on? All right, uh, so uh, three special things are called out for elders. Uh, overseers, yes. <laughs> Elders, overseers, and pastors, they're all the same. <laughs> manage the household well. Uh, manage the household well. So these three are called out with a reason behind them. So that's why I called them out here. Manage household well because shepherding starts at home. Shepherding starts at home. And he just said, yeah, if you can't do it there, you can't do it over there. Uh <clears throat> Uh, Kim Klepper pointed out, you know, faithful, faithful uh, with a small group, faithful with that in that which is least, although your family is certainly not which is least. And when I talked, the first conversation I had with a, with a man about being a shepherd, and he said, he said this, it stuck with me my whole life. He said, J.D., shepherd your family first, because 
God can raise up a shepherd for the church. And he's already raised up a shepherd for your family, and you are it. And I have thought of that, and as you look at, as you look at some, of the, some of the years that I was not functioning in a church elder role, it's because of the priority of shepherding at home. So, love to have a conversation with you about that, but that's, that's that, what that is. Not be a new convert and uh, have a good reputation outside. The reason I threw these up here is because what do you notice about the why on these? What, what about the why? He says, not a new comfort because you, because you might become, uh, become conceited, which would lead to what? The devil's condemnation, good reputation. Without that, there would be reproach leading to the devil's snare. So, I don't know, you read through this list, you notice the devil gets his name in there twice. The devil's mentioned twice in this list. Why is that? It's because leaders have a target on them. Because <clears throat> Jesus said, you know, the, quoting the prophet, strike down the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. And uh, so there, there's a whole spiritual battle behind that thing. But this is one way that you can make your leaders successful. Pray for them. Because it's a spiritual battle. It is a spiritual battle. And uh, <clears throat> the and yeah, those of you that have been involved with public teaching knows what will happen in your life leading up to that. I can tell you, you know, this last week, you know, it's a spiritual battle to get here. And uh, the <clears throat> so pray for your leaders because uh, they have a target on them. And uh, <clears throat> they need your prayer and they need your encouragement. Uh, all right, let's go on. Deacons, much of the same stuff. It starts out likewise. Deacon, uh, dignity, same thing for women. Uh, not double-tongued, not addicted to wine, not fond of sordid gain. Holding the mystery with a clear conscience. This just says that, that you know, if we're going to preach the mystery, which is the gospel, which is Christ um, dying for us, uh, we need to have a clear conscience. We need to know that we are not living in sin. Because, so this is, an, uh, this is another thing to pray for leaders, that they will, that they will uh, keep short accounts of their uh, failings. Uh, first be tested beyond reproach. Uh, husband of one wife. Uh, <clears throat> good managers of their children household. Uh, so deacons are... Just public servants, recognized servants. Acts 6, we see the first example uh, where uh, they had an argument in the church on how resources were being distributed, touchy situation, uh, potential church split, like right at the beginning. And so they, they selected people who were tested, selected people who had these qualities, and they said, you guys go out there and solve this. It's, it's, uh, so being, being a public servant is, uh, it's challenging. And, and so that's why it takes qualities. Uh, the, we'll come back to the tested thing. So any questions about any of these? Pretty straightforward. Okay, so let's look at the next list. The next list, it says women. All right, so let me just, it says women also. So this word for women uh, in, in the original language is 
women. I mean, it's just there's nothing mysterious that we're going to pull out of this. And so uh, it's fair to say, women, if you're a woman, this applies to you, especially if you're in a public service role. And some, some uh, denominations leave it at that. And some will say that this applies to deacons' wives. So that's a thought also that uh, some ascribe to this. Uh, personally, where I go with this and where we go uh, as uh, elders at iLife is uh, based off of Romans 16, uh, Phoebe, the famous uh, deaconess uh, in the church. So we, we, we know that there were deaconesses in the church, and so this list, falling as it does, is, is how we view this. And, uh, and they, they get called out, you know, for deacons, you know, also to be dignified, not to gossip, also to be temperate, and to be faithful in all things. Uh, <clears throat> so, any, any questions about this one? All right. Um, let's go on. All right, so let me just, let me just check the boxes here. Uh, before we pray and, and, uh, and go on. How to recognize a healthy church? A healthy church selects leaders according to, according to this pattern uh, that we looked at, that have ambition, that want to do the work, that meet the qualifications, and then they've been identified. So uh, look for a church. Find out how they select their leaders. Uh, is it the richest people? Uh, is it Whatever, the people with the best hair, uh, you know, uh, thankfully that's not a qualification for leaders. Uh, <laughs> how to recognize a healthy leader. Uh, these, are, these, are the, these are the attributes. And like I said, they're not, they're not superpowers, but to, to have them in your life consistency, consistently is, uh, it takes the Holy Spirit, I can tell you. Uh, how to keep your leaders healthy. Pray for them, and um, you know, feel free to say, feel free to point this stuff out. You know, uh, we just over at the Kleppers the other night, uh, we we played a game that you may have never heard of. It's uh, it's what slapping tacos. What's the name of that game? You actually slap a person with tacos. I mean, it's and uh, it's the tortilla. What? The tortilla challenge. Okay, ask them how that goes. But I, I played it. My jaw is kind of coming back online. But, but I thought, you know, somebody here is going to call me out <laughs> for not being dignified. That's all I, <laughs> that's all I can say. <laughs> and I could say, uh, yeah, if that was habitual, I don't know. You could definitely call me out on that. Uh, <laughs> David, do you want to call me out? Yeah, yeah. How to encourage your leaders. Uh, yeah, work with them. Yeah, so we're going to talk about deacons here in a minute, but, but stepping up and supporting the work of the church. Every, every leader has their own encouragement buttons. For me, that's the, that's the one. That's the one. But also being, what? Uh, you know what? That'd be cool, wouldn't that? <laughs> That'd be cool. Uh, thank you, David. That was encouraging right there. <laughs> a man who knows how to ask good questions. 
Uh, all right, how to grow in faith and influence. Okay, those who it says, uh, and let's, uh, let's throw that last slide up there because uh, if I included it, I did. 1 Timothy 3.13, those who've served well as deacons, those who've served well as deacons, so uh, they obtain for themselves high standing and great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. And that's what you want. That's, that'll get you a job. When you go and apply at XYZ Corporation, you're, the interviewing manager will know whether you're a person who has confidence. I've applied for a lot of jobs. I've moved around the country. I've gotten a lot of jobs, not because of my technical abilities, but because employers knew that I was a faithful man. They knew that I had confidence, which I did. Because if you serve well in the church, God will do things in your life and you'll surprise yourself. <laughs> and you will grow in confidence. Wow. Does anybody need less confidence here? <laughs> no. We, we all need it because it's getting eroded constantly. <laughs> and, and our adversary will, will surely point out the reason that we can't do this or that thing. But if you... So stepping up to serve and the on-ramp to deaconing, it's just like the on-ramp to overseeing. Do it where you have the chance. Care for people. Feed people. Practice these qualifications. The on-ramp to deaconing is the same. Serve. Where can you step up and serve? In, in increasingly responsible and scary ways. And your confidence will grow in the faith. Does anybody need to trust God less? No, this is, this is how trusting God that we pray for and we want and we ask and we're going to sing about right now as the band comes up while I pray. This is, this is where it comes from. This is, this is the on-ramp to becoming more like Christ, having confidence and having influence. Because humility goes along with this, so the high standing will, will not hurt you. So, <clears throat> let's, let's pray.